Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Morning, everybody. Galatians. So last week, if you were here, Lainey gave us a little bit insight into her as a person, mathematician. She gave us the two-by-two two matrix. Can you remember? And it was Hagar and Sarah and Ishmael and Isaac. And then she explained that if you're not in, in Sarah, you're kind of not even, you haven't made the transition to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then if you are and you have made the decision, you can still live like a slave, even though you're a son. You can live like an Ishmael instead of an, an Isaac. And after the bridge last week, somebody gave their life to the Lord. That is what it's about. Not just us giving you some, some good message and that, but somebody was translated for all eternity from darkness to light. Hope became manifest right here in our midst. So I hope that when we preach, we are equipping you to do that, to go and tell the good news of Jesus Christ, to get people into the kingdom of light, and that it's not just a rah-rah session and you walk away with um, suitably impressed with our oration skills. So God, we thank you that you are still the one who translates from darkness to light. It, it, it's exciting. I don't know what else to say, but that is what it's about. Let's just close your eyes and just for a few moments say, God, can, can I be alive to this wonder of your salvation message? Burn the gospel bright in my heart again, Lord. Set it ablaze. Set it alight. Oh, God. Father, as a people, we want to tell of your great name and, and be custodians of your gospel, ambassadors of your kingdom, Lord. That's, amen, that's why we go on mission trips. That is why we go on outreaches every second Saturday. That's it. Galatians. I felt this morning just to, to labor this point a little bit, but Galatians is a letter written to a specific people in a specific demographical place, geographical area. We would today call that the local church. They were not Christian Jews. They were people that did not know about the message of Jesus and, and God and and the Holy Spirit, the triunion God, they did not know of this and how to appease the wrath of that God through works like it was described in the Mosaic Law. Galatians is a letter written by a father type like person who cares enough for this people, this collective, to say to them, I will speak to you continually, even if it's uncomfortable. They are a people who, who was easily influenced. It's a, letter, a letter written to people that are, are subject to, to opinions and influence. And then you get this theme of, of Paul, this recurring thing when he says it's not about the law, it's about grace. It's not about the, the, it's about the promise. It's, it's about the sonship and not the slave. And then he says, do works, don't do works. Recurring. I chatted to somebody this week and they said, Oh, it feels 
like I'm exhausted, like a little bit of a roller coaster ride. We do works, don't do works, do works, don't do works, do works, don't do works. Have you felt that? It's, it's this thing that he keeps coming back to. And it's important for me as a pastor in this church that you guys settle this thing. Because the last thing we as preachers want is that you walk away misinformed, half-informed, confused, and led astray. We will preach systematically through the books of the Bible. We're not going to go chronologically through it. We're not going to go through the index of the Bible and say Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. There we go. You guys do know your Bible. We are, we are going to take books of the Bible, and we are systematically going to preach through it so that we do not belabor the points that we like and avoid the issues we don't want to talk about. Part of it is because we are so scared of that scripture that says, you that preach must make sure you preach my gospel, my truths. But part of it is because we love you guys enough to present to you in our own and our, our, our limited ability the full gospel of Christ. So this is what I thought to say about this in response to this person. Because it has bugged me a little bit. Do works, don't do works, do works, don't do works. We, we've said a little bit more than that, but I understand what the person is saying. So um, Tim Keller writes this. He says, God's loving care comes to us largely through the labor of others. God's loving care comes to us largely through the labor of others. Romans 2 verse 4 says, not no, Do you not know that it's God's kindness that is meant to lead us to repentance? So I'm asking you to think about this thing where we say, there are certain things you have to do as you doing that, your labor being love manifest for other people in Christ. It's just a different take on do something, don't do something. Do you not know that your simple act of saying, yes, God, I will do this, versus your obstinance to saying, I shall not obey because I'm under grace. You just say, God, I will do this under you, is God's manifestation of his kindness towards someone out there that will lead them to repentance. May that be a different take on when we say to you, it is your being accepted with Christ and your love for Him that makes you do things. Not, I have to do things to get His approval. Just a different take on it. I hope that inspires you to be the kindness of God to those around you. Our motivation will always be to love Jesus. It will always be motivated because of Jesus. It will always be that we act in Jesus. It will always be that we act for Jesus. It will always be that we act with Jesus because it is all Jesus. We are not about to establish man's work, but we will contend for the work of our King. All right, that is my first little sermonette. <laughs> Not even my breath.
So now, Galatians 4, verse 8 to 21. Lainey told you guys last week that we're skipping over that piece and I'm coming back. It's my great pleasure to do Galatians 4, verse 8 to 21. Can I ask you to help the person next to you take out their notebook and their Bible? Just quickly take a few minutes and say, hey, oh, that's a lovely notebook. Where did you get that pen? So that when you met someone during the course of this week, you can say, hold on, I just want to check. This is what God said to me on Sunday. Not that I'm saying I speak for God. I'm just saying hopefully he will speak to you through what I say. There we go. There's like some movement there. Some phones being taken out there. That's wonderful. That section there is not going to take notes today. Father, I ask you for the ability this morning to communicate your heart, your word, your truth to your people. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come and make alive in each life what needs to be made alive. For your glory, God. Amen. So this morning's message, I've got two major points. And under the last one, or the, the, the second one, I've got five sub points. So it's not going to be a, a long thing, but it's going to be a, a point thing. All right. So Galatians 4, verse 8 to 20, let's say, formally... When you did not know God, I'm reading out of the ESV, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years, and I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. It's something of this man's heart for this church. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And, and though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? Blessedness simply means your favorite position. For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. That is a saying that was prevalent that day. Like, you know, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you my kidney. That's what he's saying. We love each other so much, we will gouge out eyes for each other. I don't know what the medicine or the med, what it was like, but you could, could gouge out your eye. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out. That you may make much of them. It's talking about those things that present themselves as gods that are not gods. It is always good to be, made, to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I'm present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone. I think if he was present, he might have smacked them behind their heads. For I am perplexed about you. first point, the vision for Limbra. Have I recently told you what our vision is? Have I belabored it? Can you remember my, my little, can't call them acronyms, just my little letters. KJ, KBH, MHK. Know Jesus, known by Him. Make him known. Have you heard this? 
Verse 9 says the same thing. But now you have come to know God and rather be known by God. Know Jesus. Make him known. You know the challenge for us as Limbronians here is if we only focus on know Jesus and make him known, it's subject to interpretation. That is why in the center of it all, we have said be known by God. The word says that my sheep know my voice and I know them. It never changes. It never fluctuates. It never diminishes. Because when God knows you, he knows you. When you have accepted him as Lord and Savior, he knows you as his own. He fights for you as his own. He calls you by name as his own. He knows you wards and all. It never changes. It is as solid and as steadfast as he is. If we do not anchor to know Jesus and to be, make him known in being known by him, we are missing out on the presence of the Holy Spirit that comes and inspires you when you need to make him known and when you need to discover him in whatever situation you are. So Limbronians, if you didn't know what verse supported our vision for this expression of the body of Christ, here's one of the verses. That you will know Jesus and you will be known by him. My challenge is, are you living before him to say, God, know me. Holy Spirit, come over me. Speak into the situation. May I be known by you. You know how your worship changes when you know that you are known by God and still accepted and still loved and still pursued? Because you start to realize, I can only do what you tell me to do because you tell me to do it and no other reason. It gives you security knowing that you are loved and accepted. Point number two. This is the one where we've got five sub-points. Everybody still okay? Right, we don't have to stand up and wake up. Verse 8, 9, 10, and 11. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you've come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn your back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Whose slaves you want to be once more. All the W's in the world. You observe days and months and seasons and years. And I am afraid I've labored over you in vain. Enslaved is what I called this point. That word enslaved is translated from the original Greek. Either in service to, subject to, or in bondage to. This particular portion that I just read to you in the King James Version says that you're wanting to be in service to the former things da, 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 and be in bondage to it. 
Same word. It means literally to be a slave to voluntary or involuntary. Can I share a little story of what happened yesterday? Levi and I, he's, he's now getting his license. So we go driving. One of the cars that we have the privilege of using until the end of the year is an automatic. So we drive this car. And it just, it, it's like, yo, the, the car's lost all power. And then I notice the emergency handbrake is on. We are working this thing against its, its nature. And I said, boy, put down the, the brake. We put down the brake. And you won't believe it, the car drives. It's one of those mysteries. But you know what the, the crux of the story is? Levi says to me, your habit. He, he's picked up this habit that because he doesn't have to do clutch control, he can now just put it in, in gear and step on the gas and it, it goes. But he forgets to check the handbrake. It has become an involuntary thing that he does. This habit controls him because I would love to tell you, sorry, my boy, at your expense, that it's the first time that he's done this. <laughs> but he has done it a few times before. Involuntary, he forgets to put it down. How many times have you involuntary succumb and become the slave of something? Without thinking. How often do you choose to become the slave to something? I'm not, I'm not going to tell you the one or the other. I'm, I'm, I just want to point out that that word means, even for those things that you say, oh, shucks, I didn't even think about it. I just did it. That is what this word is referring to. When our father type person, Paul, writes to this local church of people. So the first sub-point under enslaved is enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. He goes as far as to write it with a small g, gods. These poor Galatians didn't just not used to be Jews, that they didn't understand God and his nature and his wrath and his holiness and whatever, and was trying, was, was being convinced by other people to become that and he has to say to them no it's not it's not lord's promise and he's they're going through this thing of oh, paul what are you saying just like we are is it do is it don't is it do is it don't but also they came out of a society and a culture that practiced pagan rituals observances and behavior they were gods everywhere everything was a god sounds familiar I want to say outside the Holy Spirit, all other spirits are demonic. I said it. I do not discount that the Holy Spirit has spoken to Muslims in dreams and told people to come and, and, and come on people and, and bring about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit in healing and words of knowledge. But you know, whenever you speak to those people, they say that I had an overwhelming sense of love and kindness when the Holy Spirit manifests its, its presence, focused its presence right there. And you speak to somebody else 
about other spiritual experiences. And it's devoid of love and kindness, but it's filled with fear and power-mad cravings. You have to know that there is an enemy out there that is coming for you and is prowling like a lion and wants to devour and destroy. And you need to know that greater is he that is in you than he that is wanting to manifest himself. And that to him is given all authority for all time. And that you can resist him by the name of the lion and the lamb, Jesus Christ. I want to say to you, you do not have to fear or tolerate. Because there's no fear in Christ. The Holy Spirit, part of the triunion God, is the one that fills us, empowers us, and guards over us. Second point, so that was enslaved, the one, those that are not, the demonic powers that are out there. Second one, sub point, elementary principles of the world. What shapes your world? What shapes the world that you work in? What shapes your world when it's just you at home? What elementary principles inform your actions in your life? I once was given a book um, when I was still employed by one of the banks in South, South Africa. People, the person said to me, oh, I know that, uh, that you, um, you're a spiritual person. Uh, here's a book that I think you will enjoy. Seven Spiritual Laws. I won't even tell you who the author is because I have such disdain. For the person. I didn't read the book. But you know what grabbed hold of me is how poorly I lived Christ. That they would confuse my relationship with my Savior for some principle of positive thought to gain pleasure. What shapes your world? These new age things that are so prevalent, I wish they would actually let God in so that he can come and consume the dross that they have and manifest himself as creator God, the only one that is worthy of worship. But you see, they don't even allow God in. They're just everything is God. What is shaping, what principles are shaping your world? How tolerant have you become? How tolerant have I become? I said spirituality is, have, have I just become one of many? My, is my Jesus just one of many? Physicality. What I have is who I am. Ever heard that principle? Elementary principle. That I am my net worth. It's a gift from God. Because I'm beautiful, I'm worthy of attention. 
like you had any choice in making yourself. Like you could say, yeah, from this, like God's thoughts, hey, can those two beautiful people, can they please get married? Because I really love to be pretty. Like what rubbish. Can't be who you are because you had no say in it. You know, in some European countries, it is now, they're debating whether it is acceptable and legal for a parent to give a child a name. Because what if the child doesn't like the name when they grow up? What if they don't like the gender that the name denotes? Physicality, elementary principles of the world that influence us, enslave us. This hedonistic desire and pursuit of self-pleasure and gratification. I didn't have another word that would rhyme with spirituality, physicality, so I made emotionality. Like that sticks to the, I think the script writers among us will enjoy my pursuit of sticking to it. This thing that nowadays, I have emotions, therefore I speak. I act, and I am. You know that God has emotions? But he's never emotional. But the elementary principles of the world says, if you feel like it, if it feels good, you, you are as you, you think. It is okay to take your emotional immaturity, your emotional brokenness, and just live from that point. And God says, I have hope for you because I make all things new. What elementary principle of the world is influencing your emotionality? Point number three under this enslaved one. I took a little bit of liberty here. Forgive me if it offends you. But the elementary principles of your Christianity and your Christian walk, it starts with these words. Remember when? The good old days. Oh, now those were anointed some. It starts with, one day when? I'll do this if. Where you get so stuck in the past experiences that you're discounting the Spirit speaking to you for the moment, for the now. Or you either live into the future with hopeful thoughts of perfection before you will do what God has called you to do. I was struck this week when I read that thing that says, go and tell the world. Go to the nations, go to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You know that God did not say, if you have experienced a Gaither homecoming, then you can do this. For those that do not know the Gaithers, I own a few of the DVDs. I do like them. For those, it, it's, it's, I'm just saying, that's not what he said. He didn't say either one day when you understand Greek and Hebrew and can interpret everything and you have given a tithe, then you can go. He says, go. And I tell you, when you have Jesus Christ center in your life, you will speak of him. It'll come easy. Yes, there will be intimidation. And there will be mocking and that. And, but I promise you, you can say in a public thing to somebody, Jesus loves you, and they will mock you in front of others. But when the tacky hits the tar and they are down and out, they will come and find you because you have the truth of God. 
What elementary principle is influencing your Christian walk? The fourth one I took from that point when he says it is, it is good to make much of something for a good purpose. But you know how easily you get enslaved to making much of someone? I like this church because I like the worship. I like this church because I like it when Laney preaches. I like this because I like the coffee. And did you hear this person and you're quoting it? I know I labor this point. I think I will forever labor this point. Because I'm trying to as much as keep you guys from attaching to a person. I'm trying to not become a person and not myself attached to a person. The only purpose and reason for us coming together is for Jesus Christ to be made much of. If our gatherings here are devoid of Jesus Christ, we've missed it. We've, we've missed it. We've become a club. We have stripped the life right out of it. The fifth one. Is, take it from this when, when he says in verse 11, I am afraid I have labored over you in vain. And later again, he says in verse 19, For who, whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. You know, sometimes we get enslaved in the birthing process. When you have been translated from darkness to light by saying, Jesus Christ, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for your work that you have done. I accept you and, and want to follow you in obedience to what you tell me to do. When you have said that, you have gone through the birthing process. But we get stuck in that thing. But am I good enough? No, you're not good enough. None of us are. It is why Jesus had to die. But you know what? He died and rose again. You have been born of an imperishable holy seed that was given to you when you didn't deserve it. No need to get stuck there. What you're supposed to do is go from gaga gugu to limited vocabulary to masterful account vocabulary, to walking in freedom and in the spirit, in maturity. Enslaved in the child and the, the childbirth and the growth process because we start to measure ourselves against other people. Oh my goodness, they have such an understanding of the word. If only I could do that. No, if only you read your word and let God speak to you and that's okay. If you want to delve into it more, you come and attend theology. You join a home group. You get spiritually planted somewhere with people that will take care of you because you are unique and you are an individual and he has got a specific purpose and a plan for your life. And praise God for that. May we all be so comfortable and secure in knowing that our Father has the best plan for our lives. We don't have to compare, but we can co-labor in this thing. And there you go. Lembronians are sorted. 
enslaved by those that are not in their nature gods, by the elementary principles of the world, spirituality, physicality, emotionality. Third one, the elementary principles of Christianity. Making much of anything but Christ. And the fifth one, getting stuck in childbirth and not growing and maturing. Now, you know that we have five biological children. When we tell people that, they normally say, same mom, same dad. Yes, same mom, same dad. When you look at my children, you see me in them. Especially number four. She frowns. She looks like me. She has my dark eyes and thick angry bird brows. Quick tongue. Which I don't always think is a good thing for me to encourage, but I, I find it so funny. You know that my seed and Marlisa's seed, it's evident in our children. Our genetics, our DNA, it's, it's there. We even look at the, we both have dark hair, but we've got Ava and Jude with light brown and, and Joy with lighter hair. And we see the evidence of how we were made genetically come through. And I love seeing it in my kids. I think there's something like primal about you being so proud when you're confronted with yourself, which is so, like, so wrong, but you understand what I'm saying, you know? But you know, and when it comes to eternity, it means nothing. The fact that they can say, I'm your Hannah Molise's child, means nothing. What means something is when they come and they say, God, I want to be reborn in you. Because in that moment, when they say, Lord, I accept you as Savior and King, they become born of an imperishable seed for all eternity, for walking into eternity with Jesus. So my question is, Have you been born again? This is the body of Christ. We are the church. If you are attending here today and you have never said, Lord, I want to be born again into your kingdom. This is, this is me presenting that to you. It's an opportunity for you this morning to say, Lord, I need you. I need to exchange my imperfect, perishable genetics for yours. That's what it's about. When somebody can say, I'm a slave, but I want to be a son. Just like last week. That is what we get excited about. That is what we celebrate. This morning, if you cannot say that with conviction... We want to talk to you. If you've got the freedom and the liberty and you want to come and find out more, no pressure, no obligation, we want to talk to you. Afterwards, if you want to come to the front, 
We're going to have the ministry team on the side there to just talk to people that want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, want to find out more. Now, for the rest of us that, that have accepted. I'm not going to say, do you find yourself enslaved? <laughs> because I find myself enslaved. My question is, what are you going to do about it? You can sit. We'll wrap up the service on your way. Have a cup of coffee. Have a good lunch. Or you can stand and say, God, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to come and convict my heart. I want to be tender and vulnerable before you, God. And come and tell me, what do you want me to deal with first? Because now our other nature says, oh, yes, I I, I can tick that one. I'm wrong there. I'm wrong there. I'm wrong there. I'm wrong there. And before you know it, you are so condemned, you cannot act because you're in a pit of depression. What I want to say to you as a Lombronian this morning, won't you just ask God, where do you want me to start to walk in a greater degree of freedom? If that's you, won't you stand? And if it's not you, remain seated. But if you want to start this morning and say, God, I want to walk in a greater degree of freedom. Where do you want me to start? Won't you trust your dad enough that he will help you because he knows you? For some of us, it will be courage. For some of us, it will be more of his word. For some of us, it will be having tough conversations with those people that always put us down. For some of us, it will be, Father, I do not want to get hamstrung by the past or get lost in the pursuit of the future. I want to live in the now. Between you and God, I'm just encouraging you to pursue this this morning. Now I'm going to presume something else. You start a conversation with God like this. Lord, I love you. I trust you. Please will you speak to me. Just where you are. Lord, I love you. I trust you. Won't you speak to me? I'm not rushing this. I just take it. Where you are, close your eyes. Tune into what God is saying to you now because He is a God and a dad who speaks to His children. Just where you are. Let Him know you in this moment of vulnerability.